Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus as we get into your word that you would be with us. Truly, it's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. And I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word that these your people would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, would you let the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer in every glad and happy heart. Say amen. Turn to somebody on your left and say, I appreciate them. Turn to somebody on your right and say, I appreciate them. Look behind you and say, I appreciate them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, it's such a blessing to be here uh, today, and as we transition into the uh, Word of the Living God, I want to ask you a question. Has anyone ever asked you for money, and your answer was, I ain't got it? Oh, excuse me, I don't have it. But in reality, you do have it. You just didn't count them worthy of it, and you had to do the little holy playoff, like, oh, no, no, I don't have it. Yeah, you, you got it. You just got paid. You got it. So it's so funny when it comes to money, we have to be counted worthy. There are times when people can ask us for, for particular types of resources, and it doesn't really bother us. Like if somebody says, hey, man, you, you know, you got some spare change, you know, you just dig into your nasty little, you know, ashtray and dig out your change and you can give that to them because it doesn't mean much to you. You can give it to them. Easy to give, in other words, what doesn't mean much to you. And then there are other times where it becomes difficult to give when somebody asks you to give, even when you think that they're worthy of giving because you don't know what you have because you haven't properly accounted for your life. Your, your stewardship, you're unsure. You want to, but you, you can't because you don't know what's going on. And we don't worry. It happens to us all. You know, the average American, or 50% of us, or half of us, are in debt in an overwhelming sense. And if you're saying, well, I don't know if I'm in debt. or Debt, by definition, is just if your, your liabilities exceed your income. Let's just use that as a formula. Eight out of ten people are, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I reversed that. Eight out of ten are in debt, and, and 50% of us are a paycheck away from being homeless. That means you might not make your rent payment, and if you don't have family to stay with, you might be living in a car. I, I, I know it's real. I've worked for years at the SOS Crisis Center, and the people who were homeless that I was dealing with were people who were degreed, who were professional. They're, they're, they're not somebody who was, you know, casual with their life. 
It can just happen to anyone. And you think to yourself, when these challenges happen, who is there to help? Well, let's just look at our society in, in America and, and where we contribute to great portions of our wealth to. The biggest philanthropic gifts uh, are going to museums um, and educational institutions, not to nonprofits, not to churches. In fact, when you hear that our church is giving to church plants, I want you to know there's no governmental fund. There's no secret account in the United States to somewhere where someone's assigned to giving to the church for it to grow. Giving for funerals. These are the things that the church, human needs. Food, clothes, you know, the Salvation Army, uh, food, soap, salvation. It's always been the people of God who do the work of benevolence. In fact, the government calls us, our church, all the time, say, do you, can you help with this? Can you help with that? And there's a perception out there that our taxpayer dollars are taking care of everything, and it's not. And the, the trend is not to do it. So when you're thinking about sowing it, when you're thinking about generosity, are you prepared to give? And if you are, is it based on somebody quantifying to you that they are worthy? Or is it based on just who you are as a God-fearing, generous person? The text that we're going to dive into today actually helps us identify with a group of people who had to answer these questions. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 together. And when you pull out your paper Bible that you brought today, feel free to take notes in it. A friend of mine told me it's all right to write in your Bible. I personally am struggling with that concept, but why don't you try it out and see if you can just write in your Bible. All right. When you have that scripture, say amen. Okay. For the rest of you, it'll be on the screen because your amen was casual. Okay. We want you to know, brothers... Uh, the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, I want you to know that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, but he's going to be speaking about the Macedonians. He's going to be speaking about the generous offering that he's collect, collecting to help the church in Jerusalem, who at one point was having prominence to the degree that they were selling things and having the resources to distribute to one another. But they were going through some challenging times uh, on their own, and the collection has been made for them uh, so that they can make and they can, they can prosper, and, and the church is being asked to participate and sow and give and be benevolent where only the church can because there's no one else assigned to do these things. Rome's not going to do it. There's another group to do it. This group is designed to do it. And here it happens in verse 2. It says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overwhelmed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, if you are like me and you're reading this statement, this is so oxymoronic. Number one, they're going through a test. The test is severe, and it's about affliction. And guess what? They have poverty, and it's extreme. This group has no reason in my mind to be joyful, and they have no reason to be giving. It seems like these are the people who need to be given too. Severe, test, affliction, poverty, you know, I need some help. Have you ever been in that situation where you need help, but somebody's talking to you about the help they need? And you thinking, well, yeah, 
If somebody's got something to give to somebody, give something to me. Because when we focus on ourselves, we're always in need. And when we focus on others, we always seem to think that what they're going through requires something from us. We, we, we over, we're overwhelmed. We, we, we overflow. I, I love that they met their affliction with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I can imagine that they were thinking about how much they appreciated what the Jerusalem church has done, how they appreciated the, the Genesis point of the gospel in their context, how they appreciated all God's done for them. Can you imagine going through your painful moment, take yourself to a painful moment, and yet you reflect on the kingdom of God and the work of God? I, I, I went through a painful moment that this church known about. Last Sunday, my, my baby brother was sitting behind me in church who had only been to this church. That was the second time in, in, in life. Drove all the way home from Nashville, got, got to home. His dialysis patient was getting ready to start his dialysis and his fistula, which is just a, a, a man-made vein that's really, really large so that blood can flow really fast, just, just burst. And he's on the phone with me and in the most emotional thing at 3, 3 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, I'm dying, but I love you, and I want you to know I love Jesus, and this is the last time we're about to talk. That's a hard call. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. It feels like affliction. In, in a flash, you, you have a range of emotions that you can't get rid of. And now I've been in the hospital day and night, and while my affliction is going on, my joy is rising because my church is praying and people are praying, and there's no signs in the, per the person coded twice. Died twice. That's severe. It's, it's overwhelming. It's too much. And all I can think about is praising and worshiping God. But I got a report 24 hours ago. He was, he was sitting up. He was talking. Took a couple of sips of water. Had some, had some uh, what you got, applesauce. And was talking about, uh, you know, to talking to people in his right mind. I'm going to tell you something, that it don't matter what you, can, you need to give to God. He's given so much to us that even in your extreme poverty, your extreme pain, you just have joy about giving to the work in the kingdom of God because God never lets you down and the people of God are always there. It's amazing. I'm so grateful. That's why I sang that song. You might not have realized it. I appreciate all that you've done for me. I am so thankful and grateful as I can be. As long as I live, praise to God, I'll always give. Because I appreciate everything he's done for me. So when I sow... When they sold a sacrificial gift, they did it from their means of a grateful heart. So, so watch, watch, what, watch what he did. He said, they gave according to their means. And I can testify beyond their means, on their own accord. This is amazing. He said, begging earnestly for us to favor of take part in the relief of the saints. They gave according to their means, their ability their power, but I just told you their ability and their power was weakened. They were in a poverty-stricken mentality, and yet they're begging for an opportunity to give? Wow. I'm going to tell you something. 
You and I need to reflect back on when we had the same Macedonian mindset. See, I remember when I was broke. Let me talk to the college students because they, 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 they newly broke because they just moved out of their house. You know, they might, they, your parents was rich. You are poor. When the Bible speaks about the poor people, it's talking about you. We all have been there. I know you want the congregation to know they need to give you meals, give you gifts, give you whatever they want to give you. So when I was a college student and I was uh, uh, in church, I was newly dedicated my life to the Lord. I had a month having a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. And I was in a, in a week-long church service. And people, the preacher asked anybody wanted to give $1,000. And people was jumping up giving $1,000. First of all, I thought to myself, people give $1,000 to the Lord. Do you know how much money $1,000 is? The, I was thinking, the, wow. And when I saw so many people getting up, my faith rose up. Sometimes our giving is so private, you can't. But in that moment, everybody was publicly giving. And it was like, what? And, and I was thinking, wow, I'm broke. But if I wasn't broke, I would give. And then scripture came to my mind. When I wanted to tell you this story, when it gave beyond their means, beyond their ability. I saw all these people who I knew were broke. I said, what day, when did they get $1,000? And they were given by faith. And I said, this is, this is contagious. i got to give. So I turned to a minister named Andre Healy. I said, Andre, uh, I need to borrow $1,000. <laughs> this is giving beyond your means. I said, look, I'm going to pay you back. It's all going to be good. I made the arrangement right there in church. Got that $1,000 from him. Got up. Because I needed the opportunity to give because I was too grateful. I was too appreciative. This was not just a sacrifice. This was beyond a sacrifice. I was, I was taking money from the future to give in the present. And I'm telling you, I don't have time to deal with it, but I can trace back the blessing and success of my life to that $1,000. In the next few weeks, you'll hear about it. I'm telling you that sowing and, and making sure that I gave in the midst of my own struggle. When I moved out, I moved out. My mama gave me a care package. She said, baby, I, I did the best. I, she said, baby, I did the best I could. This is it. I said, what you mean? She said, this is it. You are you own your own, baby. Man, I used to love when, the, when my roommate's parents would send a care package. I, we would rob, we would eat all his stuff. My mama sent me one care package, and I did not want to share. Now, y'all, hold on, brother. This is my stuff. <laughs> See, that's what happens. So let, let's keep reading about these Macedonians. So, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and this... Not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see, until you understand the preeminence of the Lord in your own life, until you understand that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that includes you. Until you understand that you're only a steward of the resources that are in your hand, you are not the owner of the resources in your hand. You don't, you don't know how to do this. They gave out of that heart. 
Go back to verse 5. I want to look at that verse 5 again. He said, they gave themselves first to the Lord. Have you given yourself to the Lord? I mean, truly, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, your time, your talent, your treasure, are, are the things that you're doing on a daily basis, are they for the Lord? Because it's hard to give yourself to other people and other things if you haven't first given yourself to the Lord. Who's the steward of your life? These Macedonians can teach us something because even though their life wasn't going like they wanted and they were in affliction and they were in trials and they were in poverty, they were in joy giving to the Lord and then to others. Verse 6. Accordingly, we urge you, Titus, that as, as he had started, so he should complete among you the, the act of this grace. But as you have excelled in everything, in faith, in speech, knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel in the act of grace, of, of this act of grace also. In other words, this is the grace of giving. Your faith is great, and it's a model, but that's one thing. Your love is great, and that's a model. Your earnestness and eagerness, that's great. But now, excel in the same way that the Macedonians have excelled. Excel in what you give. And I know that there's going to, you got your own challenges and it's not time to advance the kingdom. I know we at Bethel, we want to plant our own churches. So why are we helping LA? Why are we helping their campus ministry? Why are we helping in India? Why are we helping Harry Jones? Why are we helping the orphans? Why are we helping all these other people? And we got our own individual goals. Because that's what the body of Christ does. Every joint supplies. My life is not just about me. Our church is not just about us. We are a resource far beyond this place. See, sowing is sacrificial based on your means. But you do it because of gratitude. That's why. Let's look at point two, and I think let's go to verse eight. Verse eight says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by earnestness, earnestness of others that you love, that your love is also genuine. I want you to know that when he's talking about your giving, your sowing, your sacrifice, he's not talking about it as a have to, Corinthians. He's not talking about it as a have to. Bethel, he's not talking about it as a, a, a command, a mandate, something that you're being forced to do. This is not a thing. How many know the statement I say every time that I'm taking the offering? It's not as a, but as a, it's not a debt. That doesn't mean you shouldn't participate, but it's not a debt. This is something that is a, generosity, a generous sacrifice that puts your heart on display. It's not a command. Go back to verse 8. He said, it's not a command, but, I, but to prove by earnestness of others that your love is genuine. This displays your heart. Verse 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might be rich. The first person that shows us how to sow sacrificially is Jesus Christ himself, who had everything 
who had the praise of the angels, who had all the resources, yet he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. He sacrificed that for you to be rich in him. When we're sacrificing, we're being like him. And, 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 and here's what they continue to do. He said, as a matter, verse 10, and in this matter, I give you my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago you started not only to do the work, but you also desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of completing it out of what you have. In other words, you started this way once you finish. You know, I, I, I can remember uh, the first time that I was uh, uh, encouraged to, to tithe. It was, uh, I was a Lutheran. I grew up a Lutheran, Missouri Synod. For those of you who know about the Lutheran, I want you to know my denominational persuasion was Synod, the, the, the Missouri Synod. And, and, at, and at 16 years old, 17 years old, we, we would go through confirmation class. And in confirmation class, you learn about the gospel and everything, and you make a public confession of Jesus, and you give your talents to the Lord, and you also give your treasures to the Lord. And so they would have you bring in your little paycheck, and, and mine was little at the time. And they bring you a little paycheck, and then the church would send you back envelopes that you can put your tithe in, and you're offering every week when you got paid. And so I was on the day Ramsey like envelope system and so I put my little stuff that my mom made me responsible for my lunch money my my bus fare and all of that kind of stuff that I was responsible for and then I put my little tithe envelope and every week I would go through it and I would notice that my envelopes would be empty but God would always have money and one day I said Lord I need to borrow five dollars I know you got it it was right there and I felt the peace on the inside of me I don't say I won't say that God spoke to me but I felt a peace like, take the $5. I want you to have it. And I generously received that $5 from the Lord. And it was good. And every week, I said, Lord, we got a good thing going. I'm just going to borrow your five. Your five has been a lesson to me. Lord, you know I'm blessed with your five. So I would continue to take that $5 from the Lord until the point I said, Lord, why are we even playing with this? You want me to have the whole thing? I know you do. I know you do. And I worship you. And I remember being in my bedroom at my dresser when I took the last bit of money out that envelope saying, Lord, I thank you. You are so generous. <laughs> See, I begun. I started well, but I didn't complete it. I agreed with the concept. I agreed with the principle. I just didn't see it all the way through. See, the Macedonians, they agreed and saw it all the way through. The Corinthians had an opportunity to do this. Now complete what you started. Bethel, we have an opportunity to actually see what God wants us to do and see it all the way through. Or are you borrowing your tithe from the Lord? I know. I've, I've been there. I've did it. It can happen quickly. Sometimes I wonder who was I having that conversation with. Couldn't have been the Lord because he's not off. An off spirit came. You got, to, you got to ask yourself, sometime when you hear those voices, that's you. <laughs> he said, put it back. Just put it back. Just, if, you took, if, you, if you take it, just put it back. Just put it back. It's not too late. Repent. See, when you sow sacrificially, you don't 
want to do it because it's a mandate. You want to do it because it's a response of your heart. You appreciate what's going on. You know, I, you know we, we, as we uh, for years, we supported a ministry in India, Pastor Harry Gomes. I don't know if y'all remember him. Pastor Harry Gomes would come here and he'd do healing ministry. I mean, people would get, rad- hundreds would get, would get radically healed and touched, you know, in the meeting. Uh, uh, I remember one, one time a, a young man was in our church for years. He stuttered. And, and, and Pastor Harry brought him on the stage and, and reached in his mouth and grabbed his tongue, which I thought, wow, what a creative miracle here, potentially. And grabbed his tongue and prayed. And, and, and that brother started speaking fluently. And to this day, he speaks well and stuttered his whole life. And then I get the letter that they, in India, if you didn't know, they had a purge, just like, you know, they got these movies of purge and people could, they had a situation like that where their government allowed them to just kill people. And guess what? The Christians, there was a bunch of Christian kids orphaned that we supported for years. I've been to this place. I've been to the orphans. I've seen the kids. And guess what? They pray for this church every day. Now, when he has a need, I, I, I have to respond. Every time you participate in sewing in your heart, you, you, I mean, you display it. Let's look at our final point. I think let's start at verse 16. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care that I have for you. See, Titus has the same mindset that Paul has about this. He has the same mindset that the Macedonians have. And as they're encouraging the Corinthians uh, to get this mindset and and eagerness, a a thankfulness and an appreciation that's causing them and prompting them to sow their lives sacrificially. Verse 17, for he not only accepted our our appeal, but being himself very uh, earnest, he is going to you on his own accord. One of the things I like, remember, it's not as the dead are old, but as the seed you sow. You're not being asked to do something, by the way, at the end of this sermon. At some point, you'll be asked something to do, but this is not about getting something from you. This is about expressing the, the principle of God to you. But this is something you do on your own. You have to have your own conviction about sowing. You have to have your own conviction about the sacrifice. You have to have your own appreciation for God. I can't give you mine. I can try to inspire you. I can try to give you principles, but this is something where you have to ask yourself, does my resource hold me or do I hold it? They gave of his own accord. With him, verse 18, with him we are sending the brother who is famous among you in all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but we have been uh, appointed by the churches to travel, travel with us as we carry out the act of the grace that is giving, being ministered by us and the glory of the Lord himself uh, and to show our goodwill. In other words, they were the people responsible in the church for collecting the generous gift and distributing it. So these were some, some people uh, that, that were respected that were given their uh, time, time to this. Verse 20. We take the course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift, so that in being, being administered by us, verse 21, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. 
You know, so oftentimes when we, we sow and, and we give, we're just thinking about it's just between me and the Lord. And in part, that is true. It is between you and the Lord. But there's also a part that is public that is, that is a part of our community of believers together. This is why we would have the auditor come and tell you about what we do with our corporate resources um, together. It's not good just to be honorable um, independent. It's good to be honorable uh, uh, and accountable to, to each other. Each of us who says we're a member of, 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 of this church, we participate in, in, in sowing seed and in, in being generous. We, we participate in it. We do not excuse ourselves. There is no excuse. There is none. But it's still not a mandate. It's crazy. No excuse, but not a mandate. It's where your heart is. And I love that. But we want to do what's right in the sight of God and inside of man. Let me just read the scriptures to you. He said in 1 John, he said, how can you have this world's good and see your brother in need and not give to him? If you do this, how dwelleth the love of God in you? And then Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, don't, don't labor to be rich. Labor for an opportunity to give. What I want to say is, when you sow sacrificially, you got to have the right mindset. God is not demanding something from you. God is giving you the opportunity to sow. The Bible says, when you sow, let it be uh, not out of compulsion, but cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. I want to kind of end my sermon with kind of giving you a story uh, that's been meaningful to me, I found this story maybe a decade ago. Maybe I've spoken it one time. But I'd like to actually communicate it to you today as a closing illustration of, of how we can honor the Lord by living and thinking this way. There was a king. He was going to, getting ready to come visit a town, and the town wanted to honor the king. And in order to honor the king, they'd all decided that every person in the village would give the king a gift, and they decided that it was going to be uh, 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 a goblet full of wine. So every home had some wine. Wine was an important element within that community, and they all poured the wine into one vessel, and so that when the king came, he could taste the mixture of wine and be blessed by it, um, such a generous gift from each person in the village. When the king came, he had dipped down in, into uh, the, the, the wine, and he took it out, and he began to, to drink it, and he said, this is some great water, because what he realized is Everyone in the village thought that everyone else would do the right thing. And nobody did anything. Everyone thought that their part didn't matter. And because they thought that their part didn't matter, the king was not honored. There was nothing substantial to give. It was not, and in our case, when we don't do our part of sowing sacrificially, we don't show our love and appreciation to God. And yet still, I'm not talking of a mandate. I'm talking about a mindset. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I just keep hearing that song. I want you to remember, kind of as we close, appreciating the Lord. I appreciate. Think about what you appreciate. All that you've done for me, I am so thankful and grateful as I can be. As long as I live, 
praise to God, I'll always give. Cause I appreciate everything he's done for me. Bow your head, close your eyes. Just think about that gospel moment. Maybe where you and Christ Jesus intersected for the first time and how grateful you were. You were going to give the most precious thing you have. Give yourself to the Lord. I mean, you have nothing greater to give than yourself. Whenever you go back to remembering your first offering to the Lord was you, giving everything else is easy. Some of you need to just think in your brain and repent for denying God the pleasure of your worship and your sacrificial giving. If that's you, just, just talk to the Lord and, you know, repent. And then hear him forgive you, love you, and just get you on track. Lord, I rebuke the spirit of condemnation, guilt, and shame. I pray, God, that each person would be awakened with a revelation of how much you love and care for them and how much the opportunity they have to respond in worship. God, we, may we never see this as a have to. May it turn into a want to. May we want to worship you this way and love you this way. Bless today, everyone, to see you more clearly and love you more dearly. In Jesus' name, amen. You might be here today. If I can get some ministers to come down front. If you need prayer for healing, deliverance, community, breakthrough, salvation, Whatever it is you need, we call this the call to discipleship. People are here to pray for you. Pastor Bryson, you can come dismiss.